Good morning. I'm Tony, and let's please stand for the scripture reading. We're going to be reading Ephesians 6, 18 through 24. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray, for, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador, ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Titus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him here for you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love and faith from the from the God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Let's continue standing as we pray. God, you are the, the ruler of this world. You're the creator. And Lord, as we talk today about the mystery of the gospel, Lord, help us, encourage us, make known to us your will and your path. For, Lord, we praise you in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today is the conclusion of our uh, series in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. It's, it's hard to believe we have spent nine weeks, if I count right, nine weeks on just three chapters. But here we are in the close of it. And I thought today we could do a little bit of review. I know in school, uh, sometimes the whole semester you're learning all this new stuff. And then it's like the very last week before the review where all the pieces of the puzzle come together. And you're like, oh, that's what we've been learning learning this whole semester. I took a great class uh, in zoology in my, um, my undergrad, was in biology, and so I took this class called ornithology. Anybody know what ornithology is, a study of? Bird. Wow, a lot of you know. So this whole class, a whole semester was on everything about birds that you can imagine. The whole class. There was only six of us. It was an upper division level class, and we had to know the ecology of the bird. We had to be able to identify any bird that we had looked at. We went out on field trips and identified birds. It was a really fun class, but really challenging. We had to learn uh, the muscle system. We had to name every single muscle in a bird. We had to name every single bone in a bird, and it, the, the class was overwhelming. And so the teacher knew that and had planned two weeks of review for us towards the end of the class, right before the final exam. And that review was wonderful. All these puzzle pieces for me fell into place. We, we went over the, the skeletal system and the muscular system. He bought for us a, a basket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And there we were in class taking apart and eating it. Like, what muscle are you eating? Well, I'm eating the pectoralis muscle. What, what, where does that attach? Oh, that, that attaches to the keel. What's the keel? The keel is the the largest bone in the bird because it holds together the wing, like the wing, the muscles, and it's like, oh, it's all making sense now. So in some ways, I hope that doing a little bit of review here today will help us. So let's review Ephesians. 
We started off this sermon series nine weeks ago talking about the city of Ephesus, which today is in modern-day Turkey, and it sits, uh, it did sit, this is kind of interesting, at least to me, it did, it was a port city, but it sits right uh, at a river and uh, on the Mediterranean Ocean, and as silting from the river piled up, uh, this city, the ancient city of Ephesus, if any of you have been there, sits now two miles inland, but at the time that Paul wrote this letter, it was a port city, and and it was a very large city, second only to Constantinople and to Rome. The city of Ephesus was this huge metropolis in the Roman Empire. And there they worshipped the, the Greek Roman god Artemis, this god of fertility, childbirth, and hunting. And we talked about that. If you remember back to the very first sermon, I said that this city gets radically changed. Paul shows up at this city two times, his second and his third missionary journey. He spends quite a bit of time there, years there, and he's just faithful. He goes first to the synagogue and preaches the good news. And then he goes to the, the city square and he preaches the good news day in, day out, week after week, just talks about Jesus and, and the mystery of the gospel and the city is radically changed, so much so that some of the metal workers there that made these little idols for Artemis, uh, they go into a riot because their business has been hurt. And so here we are um, studying the, this, this series. We've, we've been just looking at Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And in Ephesians 4 is this big therefore. And whenever you see a therefore, you should always go and look to see what it's there for. Why is it so quiet? This is the perfect dad's joke on a Father's Day. So you have to see what it's there for. So if we look at Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, if we do a quick review, we see that chapter 1 of this book of Ephesians says things like, praise be to God who has blessed us, and Paul has not stopped giving thanks for the Ephesians, and the mystery of Christ has been made known to us. We're going to come back to this theme later in this sermon. As We're going to review first and then jump into uh, the passage, the very end of Ephesians, and so the main theme of today's uh, sermon but we're kind of jumping around a lot, I realize. But one of the main themes is the mystery of God, the mystery of the gospel. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells the Ephesians, you were once dead, now you're alive because you believe and receive this mystery of God. You were once strangers, now you're fellow citizens. And then chapter 3, he again talks about the mystery of the gospel being revealed. Re revealed and to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine God is so awesome for chapters one two and three God is great we were once dead now we're alive and then chapter four a big therefore and he says therefore because God is so awesome because you were once dead and now you're alive now he gets into chapter four so let's review what we've been talking about these last nine weeks let's review this sermon series called practice resurrection and it's no accident that this series started the week after Easter so Easter led up to the resurrection of Jesus that that Christ is risen from the dead. He's trampled down death by his death. And to all those in the tomb, he bestows life and salvation. How great is that? Many of us throughout the Lent season fasted something or gave up something to celebrate Easter. Here he is. We talked about the resurrection. Now what? The week after Easter, we started this series that says, well, this is now what? We're, we're going to practice the resurrection in our life. And chapter 4 says, therefore, imitate God. Be mimickers of God. Live a life. Do you remember this? Live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been 
called. And then he gets into the rules. Like, here's a bunch of rules. Let there be no sexual immorality and this and that. And if you're going to live like Christ is risen from the dead, then here's the rules. And I joked, if you were here a couple weeks ago, that I'm not good at sharing rules. In fact, my job before this, uh, before we planted New Life Manitou, I was the college pastor. And for some reason, I was always put in charge of giving the rules at every retreat we went to. So we'd go to a fall retreat, and, and, and I, it was my job, for some reason, to tell everyone the rules, like no drugs, no alcohol, no girls in guys' rooms, or guys in girls' rooms. And all I did every year, I would just make fun of the rules. I would make a stupid video about like the camera going up to the girls' rooms and guys that sneak in, and then there we're all playing Twister or something ridiculous. And so I would just make fun of the rules. And so it wasn't easy for me. This, this sermon series has, has been lots of rules. If you want to live like Christ, there is a life to follow. And Paul really gets into that in chapter 4. And then chapter 5, well, this starts off and says, Be careful how you live because the days are evil. And, I, and if you remember, I, I talked about how your firstborn kid, you're so careful with them. We have four boys now, and, and, and now, like, one of the boys will come to us and say, Max is about to jump off a cliff. And I'll just yell out, Max, don't jump off a cliff. And that's it. But your first kid, you're so overprotective. I'm sure Justin being, maybe he's the brand newest dad in here. Uh, you're so careful with your first boy. I remember Jay, he was learning how to walk at one years old. And we just kept saying, careful, Jay, careful. Like You're too close to the curb. Careful, Jay. And we said it so much that it became his own little saying to himself. He would walk around, careful, Jay, careful, Jay, careful, Jay. <laughs> And Paul says to us, be careful how you live in a serious sense because the days are evil. If you know things that are going to tempt you and taunt you, well, be careful because the days are evil. I had a friend... Um, still a friend of mine. He uh, was an alcoholic. He's been free for, for quite a while, but I, I knew him back at, in his college days, his young adult life, and he would go in and out of uh, spells where he was, he was just drinking. That's all he did every day, all day, and then he would get free for a little while and, and, and do really good and get a job and, and, and be on the right track, and one of these moments when he was sober, he was clean, he was doing well, he texted me out of the blue and said, uh, is it okay if I have a margarita with my dad at a baseball game. It's kind of an interesting text to get as a pastor in the middle of the, the day in nowhere. And I thought, you know, if any of you were to text me that text, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Stop texting me weird things. Um, but he knew, he knew that that was not a good thing for him as his history of alcoholism. And I texted him back. I said, no way, Jose, don't do that. This is a temptation. You know your past. You know your history. Don't do it. Well, he went ahead and did it anyways. He was not careful with how he lived. And that just, it was like the, what's the saying? Falling off the wagon. And he just went crazy. It was, it was four months of drinking for him because of that one drink that led into those things. Be careful how you live. Chapter 6, we talked about the moral, uh, the, the codes. Paul says, um, here is how you're supposed to live. Um, it, it starts in chapter 5, actually. Wives and husbands, uh, some people you work for, and, and, and the employers, slaves and masters. talks about fathers, and, and everyone submit to everyone else. If you're going to live this life in Christ, everyone be submitted. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about the armor of God that is, that is talked about in chapter 6. And here we are today talking about the very last uh, chapter the very last paragraphs in chapter 6 concluding our series today. And Paul says, pray. 
Pray, 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 pray. He says pray five times in the passage that Tony just read for us. And then he talks about the mystery of the gospel and then this name that's very hard to pronounce. I, I call him Tictacus, and I don't know if I'm saying it right. It's a Greek name. And then he says this final goodbye. And here's what he says. He says, peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And then there's a period and that closes this book. Wow, what a great ending to a great letter. And then before that, he talks about our dear brother and faithful servant Tictacus. Tictacus, the dear brother and faithful servant, will tell you everything so that you may know how I am doing. That's kind of interesting. Paul sends this message with Tictacus and says, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. What a great guy, don't you think? This character, Tictacus. <laughs> Should we all say that? Tictacus? Tictacus? Tictacus, Tictacus. <laughs> I've heard it pronounced Tictacus, so I'll, I'll keep saying that. But I, I guess you could, it's the Greek there, the Y. You, got, you all can correct me after or send me texts. You're pronouncing it wrong. You're horrible. Sorry. Um, but this is a good guy. This, he's actually mentioned five times in the New Testament. Once he's mentioned in Acts as someone who's traveling with Paul. And then four times he's mentioned in different letters as somebody who's, who's going with a letter or who is being sent along with a letter. He is the best mailman the world has ever known. He gets to, gets to deliver what we, even today, 2,000-something years later, get to say, this is the word of God. He delivered it, and he's faithful. And that's, what's called, that's what he said. He's a dear brother, and he's a faithful servant in the Lord. He's a great man, and he's, why is he great? Well, because he's faithful. I think about today being Father's Day. If you want to be a great father, well, then you just have to be, you have to do something kind of good and something kind of maybe average every single day for a long day and for a long week and for a long year and year after year, every day doing good or average or maybe just a little better than average, and you will be a great dad. Sometimes people think, oh, to be someone who's great, I have to do one thing that's great. It would be like a father saying, yeah, I'm usually neglectful, and I'm usually absent, and I'm usually maybe a little abusive, but this one time, I took everybody to Disneyland for a great vacation. It's like, you're still a bad dad, but we had a great vacation. To be a great person, here, this man being sent with the letter is a great man because he's faithful. I think about this, this idea of faithfulness in our life and, and this, this man who gets called faithful. How do we become faithful? Well, it's, it's everyday stuff. It's, I, I think about uh, there, there's this guy at New Life. I won't mention his name. He works for New Life. He's uh, very good with people, has some pastoral giftings in his life. His role is uh, sort of an admin kind of role, um, but he is very often not present. He's, he's horrible at emails. He's horrible at phone calls. He's never on time. He's always late. And uh, I was talking to another person, just kind of listening. I guess in hindsight, it's kind of gossipy. But they were talking about this person and kind of frustrated with them. It's like, oh, they're, they're never on time. They're, you know, but the, their giftings are with people, so they need to become a pastor. And I was like, you know, if you can't be faithful 
Like, what if I never returned any of your emails or your calls, or I was late to show up, I came rolling in late? It's like, that, that's not, you need to be faithful with the little things in order to be great. In order to be called faithful, it's everyday stuff that you need to be faithful with. So that's a little talk about that. Moving on to prayer. Five times in this passage, Paul says to pray. And if you were here last week, we talked all about prayer. I challenged you. Many of you did this because I talked to our leaders and many of them did this. I challenged you to add 10 minutes of prayer to your day. If you already pray for a certain amount of time every day, we'll add 10 minutes to that. If, you, if you're not regularly pr- praying, then I said add 10 minutes every day this week for seven days and just pray. Get acclimated to prayer because it is in prayer that we have our greatest tool as Christians believers. So Paul tells us to pray for the gospel that the gospel may be fearlessly made known. Pray for the gospel to be made fearlessly made known. Paul says to pray for me whenever I speak that words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And he's saying this because he is someone who is in chains. He's the one who talked about Christ, and in the Roman world, that was an act of treason. It was, it was to say anybody but Caesar was Lord, and Christians believe that Jesus is Lord. To say that was an act of treason. He was put in chains, brought to jail. He's in Rome writing back to these Ephesians because he's literally in chains. It's like thinking about an eagle that's, whose wings have been clipped. It's like thinking about a, a, a power train, a bullet train. That's, that's out in a parking lot with no rails. It's like thinking about a, a Bronco player, NFL Bronco player going out to play and his ankles are tied together. Here's Paul, an ambassador in chains. What an interesting image. And Paul, of course, is the, the top of the org chart as far as saints go. I mean, he wrote uh, the majority of the New Testament. He's the one who we now look at and say, his words became for us the word of God, scripture. We study Paul's words because they are so important. They are scripture to us. Paul's at the top of the org chart, and he says, pray for me. He tells these everyday Ephesians people, pray for me. Why? So that he may have the strength and the energy and the fearlessness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So this is the last point here for today, that that we get to make known the mystery of the gospel. And there is quite a mystery there about how the gospel is presented, how we can share our own story. Erica, my wife, had a, a little event. If you were a woman, you were all invited on Facebook and social media. Hopefully you knew about it. But we had an event at our house, uh, and, and girls got to stand up and share their stories. And they made known the mystery of the gospel, God's working in their own life. And isn't it interesting how that works, like how the, the gospel is like seeds of truth being scattered, and it lands sometimes on people. You don't expect it to land, and it grows, and God's work comes out of them. I remember in my college days, we had a, a church that was on the campus, and we would we, uh, once a week, we would have this free meal that we would prepare at the church. It had a kitchen. We'd prepare this meal, and we'd go out and say, hey, you want free lunch? And at a college, that usually works pretty well. People are like, really? For free lunch? All right, I'll be there, whatever. And so we did it just to get people used to coming to the church, to have spiritual conversations, to, to kind of share seeds of truth in people's lives. It wasn't really a trick. Like, like sometimes Christians are accused of like, oh, we're, we're baiting and switching, but it really 
really was just a, like, come all have lunch together. We don't care what your background is. Let's all have lunch and let's talk. If we talk about Christ, then, then that's kind of what we're there to do. But if not, then that's okay. So we're having a conversation about uh, something and this girl who was kind of on the sideline in the conversation jumps into the conversation, a new girl, girl that hadn't been uh, to the lunch before, and she says, what's it mean to be saved? And we were like, really? Uh, well, it means, like, we, we talk about that, and it means to be saved from your sin, saved from yourself, the mistakes you've made, and Christ, our God, whom we worship, covers over us so that we can be clean and washed. And she said, that sounds awesome. I, I would like to do that. H how do I get saved? And we were like, really? Like a fish is jumping in the boat? Um, and we were like, well, it's, it, so we, got, we sat there with this girl for like an hour and shared with her, this is how, this is how it works. I mean, it was such an interesting, beautiful experience. And, and towards the end of it, she said, yeah, something, you know, I, I, I saw you guys giving out this free lunch last week and I didn't want to come because I knew it was a church, but then something this week just, just, you know, it was eating at me and just said, I need to, I need, my life needs to get right. And I thought, I, I don't want to come on a Sunday because that's too much, but I could come to this free lunch. And, and here she is becoming a believer, like amongst us. And, and then she began coming to church and she began cha changing her lifestyle. And then she became one of our uh, volunteers and served. And it was all because this random lunch, like a fish jumped into the boat and was asking, like, what does it mean to be saved? Well, it's a wonderful thing to be saved. The mystery of the gospel is something that we can't truly explain altogether. It is a mystery of how the gospel's truth is, is shed. And what we're called to do as believers is to share truth like, like, like a sower uh, throwing seeds of truth. That's what we're called to do and we're called to pray. One last story before we close. Um, uh, one of our pastors, she, she's, a, she's a woman who's in our uh, pastoral women's ministry at church. I'll try not to say her name, but the story is very honoring to her. She was getting her hair cut, her hair did, uh, last week. And uh, she's sitting there testing out a new salon, a new hair cutter. What, what are the, what's a hair cutter person called? A stylist, thank you. And so the stylist is just going on and on, cutting her hair and going on and on about how dumb Christians are and about how bad the church is. And this, the lady who's the pastor is just sitting there like, I didn't want to say anything because I thought she'd get mad and cut my hair bad. And so she's just sitting there listening. And finally, the stylist uh, asks uh, this, the woman in the chair, one of our pastors, so what do you do? And she said, uh, I'm a pastor at New Life Church. And her response, the stylist's response was, why in the world would you want to do that? And even didn't even give her a chance to talk and said, well, here's my life. And, and just started spelling it all out. She said, I've been gay, I'm gay, and, and blah, blah, blah. And I've been doing this in my life. And and, and I've, I've been, you know, well, what, what do you think about this? I, I go clubbing, I go partying and this and that. And she's just talking about her lifestyle and what she does. And then she looked at the, the, the pastor and said, what do you think your God would say to me? And uh, one of our pastors, the woman, looks at her and says, I think God would tell you that he has been walking with you his, your whole life and that he since the time of your childhood was walking with you and chasing you down down your days and nights and in the valleys of your life he has always been with you and he's calling you and waiting for you to come to him and the girl got silent and, and started crying and then sobs she like fell over the chair just weeping and sobbing and i thought 
That is the mystery of the gospel. Someone who is, seems to be so hard being touched by truth. I was telling the, the, the sower parable to my boys. When, when they go to bed, they always ask me for stories. Since I'm a pastor, most of my stories are Bible stories. Um, so I usually just like take a snippet of a Bible story and share with them. Their, their favorite ones are Cain and Abel because it's about brothers. And their favorite ones are uh, the, the prodigal son. And for some reason, this parable of the sower is Jay's favorite uh, parable, at least for now. And, and I say, okay, there's, there's a farmer, and he's throwing seed out, and some of the seed lands on the path, like a sidewalk, and the birds come and eat that, that seed up. And some seed falls in the rocky places, and it comes up quickly, but then the sun comes out, and, and the plants dry up. Some seed lands among the thorns, and he likes this part a lot, and the thorns choke it out. And I say, yeah, the, like the life's worries, and things of life, they, they choke out the faith that we could have in God. And then I say, some, some of the seed falls in good soil, and it grows up, and it, it, it's a harvest of 20, 30, or 60, 100 times what was sown. And, and then we talk about the parable. And the first time I remember telling Jay that parable, he said, well, what, what about the seed that falls on the, the path, like the sidewalk? He said, what about that seed? He's like, yeah, the birds come and eat it. And he said, well, what if the seed falls in the crack of the sidewalk? And I thought, what a cool image uh, of someone who is, has hardened their life and hardened their heart, and they're just mad at God, and, and they seem like such a hard sidewalk, but in their life is some sort of crack. And if we are faithful... You and me and, and us as a congregation, if we are faithful to just keep speaking truth and praying for people, maybe one of those seeds will find a crack in someone's life and will grow and make this big tree of faith in their life. Would you bow your head with me? We're going to close. Bow your head and um, quiet your heart. And God, we, we truly believe that, that in you, in Christ, is, is the best thing that we could ever know. That you, Lord, the creator of all things, you, you come to us and you're chasing us down, down the days and nights, down the valleys and onto the mountaintops of our lives. Lord, you are always there showing yourself, even, even though there's mystery in the gospel, Lord, you are, you are there showing truth to us mysteriously speaking to us in moments of our life. And Lord, I pray that if this is a moment for any of us in here where, where you, Lord, are speaking to us, that, that you might, that the truth you are speaking might find a crack in our life, that, that down deep is good soil that would receive this truth, that we might um, accept it, and that you, out of your work, might, might grow this wonderful, beautiful tree of your work, and that it might grow fruit and it might be like a tree planted by streams of water which you flow in and out of us. That your work would be done, your will would be done in our lives as it is in heaven. So we pray this in your name, Lord. We bless your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand up with me? We're going to prepare our hearts for communion. We're going to say together, as is our tradition each week, to, to say a prayer together. And this is a prayer, if you haven't been with us before, this is a prayer that confesses to God um, the things that, that we have failed to do, the things that we have done that have been against God's way. And it's a way of preparing ourselves for communion. So would you pray this prayer with me in unison? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. 
by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.